It's a Mailbag Monday as we answer some of your questions on today's show. Pitching, offense, rookies, it's all on the table on today's episode of Locked on Cardinals. You are Locked on Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Cardinals fans. I'm J.D. Hafford, and I'm a national radio sports anchor. Born and raised in the Lou, lifetime Cardinals fan, and I am your host for Locked On Cardinals, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, covering your team every day. You can follow me on Twitter at J.D. Sports Radio. Follow the podcast at LO underscore Cardinals. I want to thank those of you who make Locked On Cardinals your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get podcasts. You can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, on YouTube. Be sure to like, subscribe, hit that notification button, and comment so you can interact with us. This is a show serving Cardinal Nation and giving the best fans in baseball all of the info about the birds on the bat. So it's another Mailbag Monday on the show, and if you haven't sent in any questions or made any comments on Twitter or on YouTube, what are you waiting for? What are you doing? This is the offseason, and obviously we wish we had some actual games to talk about uh, as far as what who, you know the Cardinals being involved in actually playing a game, um, but we don't. We don't have that. So I would like to start this off by asking you a question just to kind of get things rolling. Make sure you comment down below on the YouTube channel and uh, let me know what you think here. But do you take any comfort in knowing that the Cardinals weren't the only team that got upset in the playoffs? Does, Does that ease the pain a little bit? Like Philly gets this crazy comeback in game one, shuts the Cardinals out in game two and move on to face the defending world champion Braves, who a lot of people were picking to repeat and win it all. Most had either them or the Dodgers taking home the trophy this year. Philly takes game one. They were up big in that one before the Braves mounted a comeback and almost tied it in the ninth inning. They get shut out in game two on an outstanding performance by uh, Kyle Wright of the Braves. Pitched great. Uh, They head back to Philly for game three. They pummel Spencer Strider, who was coming back from injury and win big. And then they smack around Charlie Morton in game four. He has to leave with an injury. They win the series three to one. Just like that, the Braves are done. Does it make you feel a little bit better knowing that the Phillies are, are kind of catching fire, that they were able to take somebody else out who a lot of people thought were better than the Cardinals? Does it help a little bit? Maybe just a little bit? I'm just trying to look for some positives here because I, I, it makes me feel a little bit better knowing that they knocked out the Braves and have moved on. And then you got San Diego. I mean, the the playoffs have been nuts so far. Then you got San Diego upsetting the Dodgers in four games, three games to one. And the Dodgers actually won game one, so they had to lose three in a row to the Padres. I mean, who saw that happening? Over the American League, Houston, they look pretty legit. Uh, Mariners had that shot in game one where they they beat up on Verlander a little bit, and um, then they kind of had like a Cardinals meltdown of their own. Lost on the walk-off dinger by Jordan Alvarez, and the Astros cruised after that, sweeping the series. The Guardians are giving the Yankees all they can handle in the other ALDS series. Game five is tonight. Aaron Judge and uh, Giancarlo Stanton pulling their best Goldschmidt and Arenado disappearing act in that series. Judge is hitting 125 with nine strikeouts and 16 at-bats. Stanton is hitting 83. He's one for 12 with five Ks. Heck, their best offensive guy, has been former Cardinal Harrison Bader. He's got three long balls for the Bombers so far. 
which has been kind of cool. I got, I got a buddy who's a big uh, Yankees fan. And so we've been texting back and forth and um, he loves him some, uh, some Darth Vader right now. It makes you wonder what, um, what would have happened had the Cardinals blown game one because they had it in the bag and then it went away. Did anyone think the birds had a chance against the Braves? Okay. Did you realistically think they could beat Atlanta? And that's why as lame as it sounds, you know, the goal each year is to win the division and just get in the playoffs because you never know what's going to happen. And I know people are tired of seeing the Cardinals not go all in, so to speak, and just spend a crap ton of money. But that's not really a guarantee that you will win a title. Your odds certainly increase, but it's not a certain. And let's not kid ourselves, like looking at who's left in the National League, the Phillies and the Padres, they spent a lot of money this year to put their teams together. Just because they were underachievers during the regular season and didn't win their division doesn't mean they are surprise teams. A lot of people are talking about, I'm like, I mean, can you believe it? The Padres and the Phillies are there? What do you mean? They're supposed to be there. According to Spot Track, the Mets, who got bounced in round one by the Padres, led the league with a payroll of just under $283 million. The Dodgers were number two. They got bounced in the second round, but their first round of action just under $276 million. The Yankees are next, could get bounced tonight, just under $265 million. Fourth is the Phillies in payroll at $255 million. Fifth is the Padres at just under $238 million. So it shouldn't be a surprise <laughs> that these two teams are good and are doing all right in the playoffs. They're supposed to. Look at how much money they spent. I mean, just because they landed in the wild card spot doesn't mean they weren't supposed to win. Next on the payroll list, uh, you got Boston, last in the American League East. Uh, the White Sox, second in the AL Central. The Braves got bounced in round two, but their first round of action, $200 million for the Braves. Uh, the Astros, who did move on to the ALCS, are at $193 million. Then it's the Angels, who <laughs> they finished third in the AL West, which doesn't sound so bad, but... Then you realize there were 16 games under 533 games back of the Astros in the division. Wow. Uh, the Blue Jays, they made the playoffs. They got bounced in round one by the Mariners at $189 million. Then it's the Cardinals at number 12, the 12th highest payroll at $170 million. So the real wild cards who, who shocked people here are Seattle, who got through the wild card and lost to Houston. Their payroll was $129 million. That's number 21 in baseball. The Tampa Bay Rays lost to the Guardians in the wild card. They were 25th at 105, $104 million. And then the Guardians. The Guardians spend $82 million this year. The 28th lowest payroll ahead of only the Orioles and the A's. And they could bounce the Yankees tonight. So it's not just about spending money. Okay, I guess that's what I'm trying to point out here. It's, it's about spending it on the right players. Like clearly spending more money works the top five highest payrolls got into the playoffs this year but it but it doesn't guarantee that you're going to win a championship the Mets and the Dodgers have already learned that going a, a combined two and five of the playoffs both getting beat by San Diego and then you hear San Diego and of course you're going to get the people who are saying see should have got Soto like they did well Juan Soto is a great player don't get me wrong but he's hitting 250 with three RBIs in the playoffs so far it's been the role guys, really, for San Diego. Uh, Jake Cronenworth, Trent Grisham, Jerickson Profar. Those are the guys that are doing the damage, along with Manny Machado. He's uh, had a good playoff so far. But it's not 
Soto, Bell, Drury, the main guys they got at the deadline, doing it all with the bats. Josh Hader, by the way, looking good so far in the playoffs, though so, that's been really nice for them. That worked out. But um, when you're talking about building this Cardinals team and improving them, it's not necessarily the most expensive guy that will be the right guy for the team. Just keep that in mind when we start talking about free agent names, because that's what I get a lot of questions about. It's always about who are they going to sign? Who, who do you like here? Who do you think they're going to get here? People want to sign like seven different dudes like all at once and just bring them on the roster, and that's not going to happen. So a lot of teams are going to just throw money around. They're going to do it freely, and usually they overpay for people. And it always kind of puts the Cardinals in a in a tough position because they, they don't mind spending money. I mean, Arenado's, you know, a top 10 contract. Goldschmidt's right up there, too. But they will never spend what those top five teams are spending. I mean, the Mets and the Dodgers spent $100 million more than the Cardinals this year. And they won just as many playoff series. I mean, can you imagine the reaction by the Cardinals fans? If they had the payroll of like the Mets and the Dodgers and they got bounced in the first uh, round that they played in, can you imagine what that would be like on Twitter, on social media? Holy crap. The Cardinals will never tank. I can say that with 100% certainty. They will never be that team that tanks. They're never going to be bottom half spenders either. Like that's just not something that's going to happen. Like, they're going to remain in the top 15 all the time. But they got a budget. And for the most part, they do a pretty good job of staying within their means and getting the most value possible. That's how they've been able to stay as relevant, stay as uh, consistent as far as winning goes over the years. Has it always won world championships? It's been a while now. It's been a while since they've won one. But um, I don't know. I feel like it, I feel like them losing in their wild card round compared to teams like the Mets and Dodgers losing with their payrolls. I feel like their losses are way bigger than what the Cardinals was. They like to play things a little safer, if you will. And the numbers don't lie. In the last decade, over four million people have chosen simply safe home security to protect their home. You don't earn the trust of that many people without doing something right. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. They protect you with cutting-edge security technology, powered by 24/7 professional monitoring agents who always have your back. Being able to control your system from your phone with the app—that is something I think is really, really cool. Watching the crystal clear HD live stream of your security cameras with a wide variety of high-tech sensors—I've got friends who have it on their phone, and they're like, "Look." You can see my dog <laughs> or whoever is walking around, like people delivering packages and stuff like that. I think that's cool. With 24-7 professional monitoring, Simply Safe's agents call you the moment a threat is detected and dispatch police or first responders in an emergency, even if you're not home or can't be reached. Simply Safe blankets your home in protection with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door. HD security cameras for inside and outside your home. Smarter ways to detect motion that only alerts you when a threat is real and even hazard sensors that instantly detect things like fires, floods, and other threats to your home. It's not just burglars and people trying to break in, man. A lot of things that happen to the household. Their monitoring experts use proprietary advanced response technology to visually confirm when a break-in is real so you can get the highest priority police dispatch. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash 
locked on MLB, and you could save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. Visit simplysafe.com, locked on, dot com slash, sorry, locked on MLB to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Let's jump into the mailbag. Uh, first question is one I've been getting a lot of recently since the Cardinals got uh, ousted in the wild card round. Jose Quintana, should they keep him or do they go elsewhere? What do you think they should do? In my opinion, this really kind of depends on what happens with Adam Wainwright. We're, we're waiting on Waino in my eyes. If Adam doesn't come back, here's what you got. You got Jack Flaherty, Miles Michaelis, Jordan Montgomery, Steven Matz. That's your top four. Quintana would be wonderful considering how he threw for the team after they got him at the trade deadline. And I've said it before. He clearly, clearly enjoyed his time in St. Louis. And I don't think anyone is going to throw some like huge monster contract at him that the Cardinals couldn't afford. But if Wainwright does return and he decides, yeah, I want to give it one more year. Does that create somewhat of a log jam in the starting rotation? And then you'd be forced to kick someone to the bullpen. Now, Matt's was that guy this year. After he hurt his knee, he rehabbed, came back, and they put him in the bullpen. And I don't mind sending him back there again if that has to happen. Quintana is more of a five, six-inning kind of guy, usually. Sometimes he goes longer, but for the most part, it's usually five or six innings. So having a couple guys like Matts, uh, Woodford, Hudson, guys who are capable of throwing two or three innings, it's a nice problem to have. And you can never have too much pitching, right? Like, that's never going to be like, oh, gosh, we have too much. I mean, we've seen the injury bug hit guys like Flaherty and Mats this year. Uh, Michaelis was out for almost two years. Wayno not getting any younger if he does come back and uh, dealt with what we thought was dead arm. And then he said, no, actually it was his stride. But still, if something happens, sprains an ankle, whatever. Anything can happen, you know? So I, hope, I, I genuinely hope they can work something out to keep him. And here's the other thing that I've been thinking about, too, since the you know whole article came out about Contreras talking to Quintana about what it's like in St. Louis. I mean, if Quintana can be like a recruiting person and get Contreras to come to St. Louis and be the new catcher, even better, even better. I I decided to get both of them. That'd be outstanding, right? Uh, Which rookie from this year will have the biggest role moving forward next year? That one coming from Dallas Klusner. Um, rookies, Rookies were huge this year, like surprisingly huge. Major part of this team, uh, Brendan Donovan playing everywhere and being that on-base machine. Juan Yepes was the right-handed power bat who could DH, play the corner outfield spots, and was doing pretty well before he injured his forearm. Andre Palante, whether he was starting or you, you brought him out of the bullpen, excellent pretty much no matter where you threw him. And then you had like Nolan Gorman. And Nolan Gorman's the guy that I'm always going to kind of turn to that I'm like, he could be huge, top prospect. Tons of power. Had trouble at the end, obviously. We knew he was going to strike out a lot, but we didn't know it was going to get that bad where he couldn't even put the ball in play anymore. Got sent back down to Memphis. And he's the guy that I think is uh, is a big deal. But biggest role moving forward for next year. I got to say Brendan Donovan. That's the smart money, right? Brendan Donovan. I mean, he could essentially be your starting second baseman. I mean, that's a pretty big deal. So um, if they don't do anything at shortstop and they keep Tommy Edmond over there, Donovan at second base, 
makes a lot of sense. And as much as I want to say Gorman, I just don't know what his role will be yet. Um, will they have the courage? Because you're not going to bring him up and then make him like a platoon guy, right? Like, what's the point of that? Then let him get all the abats in Memphis until you need him. But uh, will they have the courage to start him at second base or DH and let Donovan be the utility guy that kind of bounces around everywhere? Or did they see enough from Brendan Donovan that they're like, you're our starting second baseman unless Gorman beats you out in spring training? We'll have to wait and see. But um, I'll say Donovan, who, by the way, I just saw this uh, yesterday, made the MLB Pipeline all-rookie team as the second baseman. First team all-rookie team. So he's up there with all the big rookies starting second baseman, according to MLB.com. So if he's good enough for them, should be good enough for the Cardinals, right? Played good defense, got a base a lot. There was a lot to like about Brendan Donovan this year and um, probably next year too. I mean, if you had to make a decision right now, who's your starting second baseman, Donovan or Gorman? I think we're all going to say Brendan Donovan. I think he earned it, right? Do the Cardinals have anyone in the Arizona Fall League playing? I think that's what they're asking. Chai Lu with the question there. Uh, yes, they do. They have a few guys. Uh, top prospect Jordan Walker. Top shortstop prospect Mason Wynn. And uh, one of their top pitching prospects, Teen Kentz, who's number six in the organization, by the way. Uh, those are the big names on the Salt River Rafters, by the way, is the team that they're playing for. Stats-wise, so far through eight games, Jordan Walker hitting 259, two home runs, six RBIs, eight runs scored. Mason Wynn is hitting 278. No home runs yet, one RBI, five runs scored, but he does have three stolen bases. you got to like that speed aspect out of Mason Wynn. Hens has thrown three innings, gave up a solo home run, but that's the only hit he's given up so far. He's walked one and struck out two. They do have a couple of other guys who are uh, also playing, but not like, you know, top 10 prospect guys in the system. Uh, Connor Thomas, 24-year-old left-hander, number 24 prospect in their organization. Been pretty good. Eight and two thirds in two games. He's allowed 10 hits, but three runs. Only one of those or one of, one of them earned. Yeah. With seven ERA at 1.04 so far. Ryan Lautos, I think it's how it's either Lutos or Lautos. Could be Lutos. Anyway, he's number 26 prospect. I'll have to ask Lindsey Crosby about this one. Uh, number 26 prospect, 6'5 right hander, has appeared in four games. ERA of 4.50 over eight innings. He's allowed four runs, seven hits, has seven punchies. Um, those are kind of the big ones. So yeah, I mean, they're, they're well represented in the, uh, Arizona fall league this year. So, uh, that's kind of nice keeping up to date and seeing those guys play still that way we can kind of, kind of see their progress in this, uh, off season time that we have right now. Uh, the Cardinals did do some signing today with the front office. <laughs> Plus they got another awesome on this date in Cardinal playoff history moment for you featuring Mr. 700 Albert Pujols next. Unlocked on Cardinals. All right, all right. Got some business that the uh, Cardinals took care of. Uh, General Manager Michael Gersh and Randy Flores, the team's assistant GM and director of scouting, have agreed to contract extensions this past week. Each contract extended for multiple years. Gersh has been the team's GM since 2017, and Flores has overseen some of the team's most successful drafts since taking over with the June 2016 first-year player draft. Their contracts were set to expire in the coming weeks as the postseason came to an end. Cardinals president of baseball operations, John Mozalek, said that uh, Chairman Bill DeWitt Jr. and he are excited to know the future of the organization is in strong hands, and they're glad that the leadership group is intact. Current front office has directed 15 
consecutive winning seasons. And this past year's NL Central title was the team's sixth in that span. It's pretty good. And it's one of the reasons why the Cardinals get a lot of uh, hate around the country because people are sick of the Cardinals. Absolutely sick of the Cardinals because they're always there. They're always winning. They're always just around. And it drives people nuts. Now we just need to take that next step, right? That's the, that's the next thing, okay? We, we've done this playoff thing. We've made it a bunch of times, four years in a row now. And we haven't gotten very far. So how do they make that next step? That's something they're going to have to figure out. So I want to take you back to 2005 for this next uh, on the state in Cardinals playoff history. This was a big one. I like to call it Houston, you have a problem. And his name is Albert Pujols. The Minute Maid Park crowd. Let me paint the picture for you real quick. The Minute Maid Park crowd. We're in Houston. Put yourself there. Going bonkers. Anticipating the Astros' first National League crown. Had dominant closer Brad Lidge on the mound. Lights out kind of guy. Closing out the ninth inning. Gets the first two guys. And then with two outs in the inning, little David Eckstein. Our little guy at shortstop. Hits a ground ball single between short and third. Then Jimmy Ballgame comes up. Jimmy Edmonds. He ends up taking a walk on five pitches, which brings in Albert Pujols. First pitch, Albert's a little excited, swings and misses at a ball kind of in the dirt. Second pitch, Pujols hits it to the moon. A missile to left center over the dorky train tracks that went an estimated 455 feet, but I'm convinced that sucker would have gone like 600 feet if it hadn't hit the wall of the stadium. That's what stopped it. It wasn't coming down. It was still going up. And it just went boom and came down. A freaking missile. And I remember I was actually on the air. I was doing a night show at the time it happened. And I'm like trying to pay attention to what I'm doing on the air. And I got the game over here on this little side TV and he hit it. And I was like, oh, ah! it took every bit of me to not curse in excitement <laughs> when Pujols hit that home run. Gave the Birds a 5-4 lead. They go on to win that game, force a game six, which they ultimately lost 5-1. to one. Astros go on to the World Series where they were swept by the Chicago White Sox, but what a memorable moment from the machine. So uh, what I'll do here so you can relive it for yourself, I'll link the clip in the description below on YouTube. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Cardinals your first listen today. Now make your second listen to Locked On MLB podcast. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories around the league. What's going on with the Guardians and the Yankees tonight? What are his thoughts now on the playoffs with the remaining teams? Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Locked On MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. As always, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification button on YouTube. Appreciate it. Helps uh, get the channel some more exposure when you hit those likes and everything. Uh, follow on Twitter at LO underscore Cardinals and at JD Sports Radio. You're the best fans in baseball for a reason, and I'll see you next time right here on Locked on Cardinals.